The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The following program is a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com to learn more about this and our other weekly storytelling programs. And become a patron today to show your support and get instant access to our extensive archive of downloadable ad-free tales of terror. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the show. Good evening. I'm storyteller Otis Gyre, and I ain't your grandfather. From where I'm from, we don't do bedtime stories. And if that's what you were expecting, you're in the wrong place. If it's terrifying tales you're after, well then, I've got just the thing. Get comfortable, settle in, turn off the lights, if you dare. Your night is about to get a whole lot darker. (laughs) Who needs sleep anyway? Good evening, you're listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark. Welcome to Season 7, Episode 1. The opening to what I know will be another wonderful season, full of tales to terrify. As a reminder, there are six more seasons of 24 episodes each waiting to be discovered. So if you're just joining me now, I encourage you to dig deep, 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 deep into the creepy crypt that is my archive and prepare to be scared. (laughs) You won't be disappointed. 
As always, I'm your host, Otis Jiry, and in this episode, I'll be performing four spine-chilling tales for you, all of them from author Maria Cisneros-Toth, straight out of her 2014 book, Strange, Weird, and Creepy Tales, about curious crimes, awful occupations, death on your doorstep, and creepy competitors. Maria's collection is available now on Amazon.com as an ebook and also in paperback. If you enjoy the tales you hear today, please consider picking up a copy to support our featured author. It means a lot to both of us. You're listening to the standard edition of tonight's program, which contains the first two terrifying tales. If you'd like to show your support and enjoy an extended version of this and other episodes with twice the terror, visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up today. Thank you for your support. Now, it's time to take a walk together down the moonlit trail. So, lock your doors, turn your lights down low, and settle in. The show is about to begin. <laughs> Our first tale tonight from Maria Cisneros Toth takes us to the site of a historic hotel where a witness to a crime may have more to worry about than being asked to testify later. Without further ado, I present to you Second Time Around. (sighs) I woke up with a killer headache. Feels like someone slugged me over the head with a brick. But I had a story assignment at the historic Mission Inn, and it was too late to cancel. Popped a couple aspirin, laid out a pair of jeans and a white ruffled top, and hopped in the shower. By the time I reached the hotel, the pain had subsided to a tolerable throb. Looks like I'll live another day. As I stepped into the foyer and joined a tour group, a wave of deja vu swept over me. Feeling dizzy, I closed my eyes a moment and took a deep breath. I blamed the dreamy weirdness on my headache. The tour group followed uh, the descent into the music room where she informed us that there were old catacombs beneath the inn. Tunnels. I love tunnels. I wanted to explore them, but they were off limits, even to this curious reporter. Back in the newsroom, as I wrote my destination feature about the hotel, the thought of the catacombs still nibbled at my brain. I knew I was bordering on obsession when I considered disguising myself as a hotel maid to sneak into the underground passageways. I shook my head, chasing away the harebrained scheme. For days, the thought lingered in my mind. Then, late one night, after another feature assignment, I cruised up Mission Inn Avenue. As I approached the hotel, my breath stole away at the sight of the resort, its architectural style influenced by early California missions. Within its buttresses and walls lay the forbidden tunnels. I turned onto the deserted and narrow street behind the hotel that dated back to the late 1800s when it first operated as an adobe boarding house. Ever since I moved to Riverside, I'd been strangely drawn to this abandoned building that loomed in the shadows of the hotel. 
I often found myself making excuses to drive past it, but had never bothered to stop. At night, the old brick dwelling looked like a haunted mansion with busted windows and a large balcony. The tour guide had said the old and decaying building was called the Annex, the dormitory where the hotel employees lived during the inn's heyday. Tonight, I decided to check it out. I used my car to the curb and walked up a few steps leading to a locked wrought iron gate. It would be cool to take a look inside, I said. You can't, a voice answered from behind me. It's not safe. I spun around. A pretty young woman in an old-fashioned maid's uniform lit up a cigarette. It's not Halloween, so the get-up must be a way to make guests feel like they've gone back in time. Your costume's a nice touch, I said. Didn't mean to scare you, doll. She blew a wisp of white smoke. I'm Annabelle. I work at the hotel. I figured. Hey, I said. Those things will kill you, doll. She laughed, chucked a cigarette to the sidewalk, and grounded out with her heel. So, what are you doing here? You a cop? I made my way down the steps to the sidewalk. I'm a reporter. We're naturally nosy, you know. A real-life reporter, eh? Listen, I have a story that I've been dying to tell somebody. I leaned in. What's your scoop? An unsolved murder. Why not go to the police? Are you kidding? Who has time to listen to a ghost? Annabelle's mouth curled into a smile. Ghost, huh? I liked Annabelle. She reminded me a lot of myself, a girl with a warped sense of humor. Listen, I'm a regular working stiff. Have to get back. If you're interested, my shift ends in about an hour. Are you serious? Somebody's got to work graveyard. Look, if you can't stick around, nah, I'll wait. But it better be worth it. Oh, trust me, it will be. Annabelle darted across the street and disappeared into the shadows at the hotel's rear entrance. While I sat at the bottom of the old annex steps, I had an idea. I'd listen to Annabelle's story in exchange for a private tour of the tunnels. Bet she could set it up for me. She must have connections. Rat-a-tat-tat-tat-tat-tat. An empty soda can flew toward me like someone had kicked it. Just the wind, I muttered. There was hardly a breeze. Then I thought I heard whispers coming from inside the annex. I ran up the steps to the locked gate and peered inside the iron bars and into the pitch black. Hello? I said. I waited. Is anyone there? Nobody answered. Pop, pop, pop. Lanterns on the underside of the balcony flickered and went out. A blood-curdling scream raised the hair on the back of my neck. Chills rippled up my spine as I darted for my car. Another shriek punched the darkness and my keys slipped out of my grasp. I dropped to the ground, my fingers fumbling across the asphalt. Oh, God, where are my keys? Crashing glass and what sounded like furniture thrown against walls exploded inside the old building. Doors slammed, voices shouted. Thump, thump, thump. Heavy footsteps stomped across the balcony above the sidewalk. 
not far from where I had ducked behind my car. Leaping to my feet, I bolted across the road, hid behind a concrete pillar, and peered around its edge. Get back here! A tall man hollered from the annex balcony. Where'd he come from? Could he see me? A man hulked over a woman near the railing. Wait a minute. Is that Annabelle? No, it can't be. I saw her go into the hotel. At least I think I saw her enter the hotel. I glanced up at the old footbridge that spanned the street. Maybe she used the walkway to cross back. The tour guide had explained how it linked the hotel to the dormitory. The woman screamed, Let me go, you big gorilla! Give me the necklace! And the man demanded. Straight lights flickered again, and I clearly saw the woman's face. It was Annabelle. For the millionth time, I told you I don't have it, she cried. Where's security? I flew to the inn's back door and pounded my fists. Somebody help! No answer. Why not? Annabelle shrieked and kicked as the tall and broad-shouldered man picked her up and threw her over the balcony. Thud! I gasped, then ran and knelt beside her. Her neck appeared twisted, broken. Can you hear me? Don't move. I'll get help. She clutched at my blouse, pulled me closer, and rasped. The necklace. Behind a loose brick in the tunnels. Whatever you do. She took a stuttering breath, then said, Don't let him have it. The necklace? What necklace? Her piercing blue eyes bore into mine, and an icy wind swept through me. Annabelle went limp. Footsteps thundered from inside the annex. I left Annabelle and darted back behind the hotel's concrete pillar as the man burst through the wrought iron gate. I thought it was locked. I watched in horror as he dragged her body toward the sidewalk near the inn. He yanked up two steel doors lying flat on a cement walk and hurled her inside. He reeled around and panned the deserted street. The stare was dark and brooding. As he moved toward my hiding place, I shrank back and shut my eyes tight. I could feel him coming closer. Closer. Just as I was about to scream, the phantom of the opera ringtone trilled on my cell phone. My eyes sprang open. Oh, no. I'd left it on the car seat. I swallowed hard. I'm dead meat. But the man was gone. Vanished. No footsteps. Nothing. Where'd he go? Trembling and weak-kneed, I dashed over to the gaping hole in the sidewalk and peered deep inside. It looked like some sort of old service elevator. But where was Annabelle? I glanced up and down the street. And where was her killer? Crash! The sound of glass shattered. An ear-splitting scream pealed the night wide open. Two shadows wrestled near the balcony railing again. The woman screamed. Let go of me, you big gorilla. Give me the necklace. For the millionth time, I told you I don't have it. I scrambled to my car and found my keys. My hand shook uncontrollably as I twisted the ignition. This can't be happening. The engine roared and I hit the gas. Tires squealed as I swerved toward the market street. I looked in the rearview mirror, just like before. A body flew from the balcony to the street below. Annabelle. My heart hammered. 
What's going on? I ran a red light and drove straight to the police station. A policeman took my report, but they couldn't find any signs of a struggle or Annabelle's body at the annex. I'm not crazy. Just because I can't explain what I saw doesn't mean it didn't happen. Nightmares plagued my sleep. The haunting dreams were always the same. I'd find myself floating as light as a helium balloon through the dark passageways beneath the inn. Then, at the far end of the tunnel, I spotted a shaft of light. A woman held a flashlight awkwardly in one hand while forcing a brick into the wall with the other. Annabelle? My voice echoed throughout the tomb-like chamber. She jerked around, the flashlight dropped, and clattered at her feet. Whatever you do, don't let him have the necklace, she said as she melted into the dreamy darkness. What necklace? Annabelle, come back! I awoke to a rapid heartbeat. The dream felt so real. I sucked in a shaky breath and lowered my head onto the pillow. I saw a young woman murdered. I know I did. I'd bet my life on it. For weeks, nothing took the edge off my headaches. I felt like the walking dead. I was useless at work, so I took sick leave to help pull myself together. It was late Thursday afternoon in October when I got the nerve to return to the scene of the crime. Feeling safe with people milling about, I plopped on the steps of the old dormitory. Delivery trucks drove over the spot where Annabelle took her last breath. Then a man crossed the street and walked over to me. He looked familiar. Do I know you? I asked. Detective Franco, he flashed his badge. I'm investigating a murder that allegedly took place here. Do you work at the hotel? No, but I witnessed the murder. Any clues? So you're our only witness. Did you find the killer? We need to find a body first. It's all so crazy, I said, shaking my head. I know what I saw, but I, I can't explain the rest. Yeah, well, look. I was headed to the hotel catacombs to start searching for the necklace you mentioned in your police report. It might help the case if we could find something concrete. Hate to see another unsolved murder, you know. He said, it's not our policy, but since you're a reporter, would you like to tag along? Sure. Witnessing a murder wasn't the way I wanted to get to see the tunnels, but at least I had a purpose now, to find the necklace and hopefully help find Annabelle's killer, a coward. I followed Detective Franco through the hotel lobby and into a musty underground chamber. It drove me nuts trying to place him. Maybe I'd seen him at one of those neighborhood watch meetings. Where else? I smiled to myself. Maybe I'd run into him at a donut shop. He pulled out a small flashlight and we crept through the narrow corridors. All of a sudden, that weird deja vu feeling whooshed over me again. The brick walls seemed to be closing in. I felt dizzy, nauseous, probably anxiety. It would pass, I hoped. Careful, watch your step. Detective Franco said, You don't want to trip on those old floors and break your neck. As we walked further along the passageway, the detective said there'd been a similar murder at the end back in 1926. Cold case, he said. 
The dead woman found in the service elevator fits your victim's description to a T. Are you saying these two cases could be related? I asked. The Annabelle I met was pretty and young, no more than 25. Then it dawned on me. Maybe the woman murdered all those years ago was one of Annabelle's relatives, a grandmother or an aunt. And somehow my Annabelle had learned about this stolen necklace. I paused, but... Detective Franco whirled about. But what? What about the creep on the balcony? Any clues on who he is? The detective chuckled. You're a regular sleuth, aren't you? He said as he let on. Look, this is what I know. The cold case victim was a hotel maid. She'd been suspected of stealing jewelry from wealthy guests. The girl had plenty of opportunity, keys to all the rooms, and a male accomplice. Male accomplice? Who? Boyfriend, real lady killer. The brains behind the jewelry heists. That diamond necklace is rare and worth millions now. Excuse me, Detective. Unless I'm reading you wrong, you seem more interested in the value of this necklace than in that poor dead girl. Alleged poor dead girl, he said. Remember, we don't have a body yet. Besides, one clue leads to another, right? He led the way deeper into the sprawling catacombs. The air grew mustier, damper. I stopped and swept my hand over the rough wall. My fingers settled on a brick, partially sticking out from the rest. I touched it. It rocked. In my dream, Annabelle shoved a brick back into the wall. Wait, I said. I tugged and pulled. The brick scraped against the others until it broke free. I handed it to the detective. My hands are too big to fit in there, he said. Can you... Sure. Reaching into the gaping hole, I felt around until I snagged something with my fingers and dragged it out. You're not going to believe this. I spun around with the diamond necklace dangling from my fingertips. Here, I better take that for evidence, the detective said. Just as I was about to drop the necklace into his open palm, our eyes locked, and I remembered Annabelle's dying words. Whatever you do, don't let him have it. I snatched the necklace back into my hand. It was you. You killed that poor girl. The detective's mouth twisted into a grimace. He raised the brick above my head. Everything went black. I felt weird. Lightheaded. I opened my eyes and found myself floating several feet off the floor. On the ground beneath me, a woman lay in a pool of blood. I was certain, but she seemed about my age, with dark hair like me. But then it struck me. That's me. No! De dead! I'm dead! Detective Franco stood over my body, a bloodied brick in one hand, the necklace in the other. If you had just told me where you'd hidden it back then, Annabelle... Things wouldn't have had to end that way. He dropped the necklace into his trouser pocket. Then he grabbed my ankles, dragged my body deeper into the catacombs, and stuffed me into a dark alcove. What does he mean? Back then? I don't understand. 
And why is he calling me Annabelle? A reel of memories played in my mind. Suddenly I remembered us, Detective Franco and I, the way we were long ago. Franco headed for the heavy wooden door leading back to the hotel. He turned and faced the dark tunnels. You're a swell gal, Annabelle. Who knows? Play your cards right and maybe things will work out for us next time. I'll look you up. He flicked off his flashlight. See you around, doll. He shut the door. The click of the lock echoed throughout the underground chamber. I floated right through the locked tunnel door and hovered over the sidewalk as Franco got into his car and sped away. Oh, yes, there'll be a next time. But I'll be the one waiting for you, doll. Oh, I woke up with a killer headache. Feels like someone slugged me over the head with a brick. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs, or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot I hope you enjoyed Second Time Around, as written by Maria Cisneros-Toth and performed by yours truly. If you enjoyed that first story, I'd like to remind you that it and 12 other terrifying tales are to be found in the author's collection entitled Strange, Weird, and Creepy Tales and available now on Amazon.com in both ebook and paperback editions. You can pick up a copy today at simplyscarypodcast.com slash toth, spelled T-O-T-H. That's simplyscarypodcast.com slash toth, and you'll be redirected to Amazon, 
where you can dig into the book today. As an Amazon associate, a portion of your purchase made using that URL is provided to us as well as the author. Thanks for your support of this show and of tonight's featured author. Up next, we've got a second tale of terror for you, courtesy once again of Maria Cisneros Toth. In it, we'll meet Alex, a young man tired of serving fast food for pennies, and who decides to live it up by working alongside the deaf at a funeral parlor. Will he find what he's looking for at his new job, or far more than he expected? Stay tuned and find out. Without further ado, I present to you Dead End Job. Alex was bored of flipping burgers. He wanted to earn some serious pay like his friend Devin, who worked at the Heavenly View Funeral Parlor. On his way to history class, he bumped into his pal in the hall. Hey, I heard Matt quit on Mr. Malone. Yeah, I'm surprised he lasted a week. I'm going to apply for the position, Alex said. He punched Devin in the arm. Put in a good word for me, okay? You got it, he said. It'll be great to have someone at the parlor to talk with who actually has a pulse. For the rest of the day, Alex couldn't stop thinking about all the cash that he'd earn. If Malone hired him, he'd be able to save enough money to backpack through Europe in the summer. After school, he threw his dirty gym clothes into his car and drove over to the old Victorian-style building. I'm running behind schedule. Mr. Malone handed him a job application, then gestured for Alex to follow him along a hallway toward the back of the building. Alex kept up with the mortician, trailing behind into a sterile, hospital-like room. Mr. Malone hunched over a steel sink. He scrubbed his hands, but his fingers still looked yellowed. Chemical exposure, he said, drying his hands with a couple of paper towels. He slipped into his white coat. So, Devin tells me you're a hard worker. Yes, sir. Malone walked over to a steel table. He lifted the sheet off a body and looked at Alex as though waiting for a reaction. Alex swallowed hard. The guy in the gurney had a jagged gash between his eyes. Chainsaw accident, the mortician said. Now it's my job to make Mr. Andrews look as good as he did before the accident. He's going to need a lot of makeup. He glanced up at Alex again. Do you need a chair? No. Alex took a deep breath to steady his nerves. It's just the first time I've ever seen a corpse. But I'm all right. Job pays $12 an hour. Malone stuffed cotton balls into the dead man's hollow cheeks shaping them to look full and natural. You'll be expected to work graveyard shift every other weekend, double pay for holidays and a raise every six months. He looked up from the cadaver. If you think you can handle it, fill out the app, and you can start tomorrow after school. I can handle it, sir. Good. Devin will show you the ropes. Thank you, sir. There. Malone stepped back and admired his work. Mr. Andrews looks much better already, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, he looks pretty good. For a dead guy, that is. As Alex backed out of the room, he bumped into a gurney with another body laying on it. 
Sorry, he said to the corpse. See you tomorrow, young man, Malone said. Oh, and do me a favor. Don't park your car in the upper lot behind the building. It's reserved for our guests. Oh, sure. Alex hurried to his red Honda parked at the curb. He could hardly wait to quit his job at the Purple Onion. Fired up the engine and headed toward the fast food restaurant. Goodbye, dead-end job. The next day, when the final school bell rang, Alex hustled through the halls and zigzagged through the student parking lot. He jumped into his Honda, fired it up, and smiled as he hit green lights all the way to his new job. As a florist van pulled away from the curb in front of the Heavenly View funeral parlor, he slid into the parking space. Alex nodded a hello to the gardener. The landscaper smiled as he trimmed the hedges lining the brick walkway that led to the funeral parlor. Alex's thoughts turned to Mr. Andrews and the gruesome gash between his eyes. Wiping his sweaty palms in his jeans, he sucked in a deep breath ran up the steps to the door. Devin met him in the foyer. Punctual, I'm impressed. He turned and headed up the red carpeted staircase. Come on, I'll give you the grand tour. Alex followed him up the sweeping steps. He looked around. This place is something else, he said in a quiet voice. Devin laughed. <laughs> Rule number one. You don't have to whisper around here. Everybody's dead, remember? Oh, yeah, right. Alex slid his hand along the polished banister, walking past old photographs and dark mahogany frames. He paused and studied one of the black and white pictures. Is this the funeral parlor? Yeah, the historic building is one of the oldest in town. He pointed to the photograph. See the family having lemonade on the porch? They used to live here. It's hard to imagine anyone ever living here before. Devon led up the steps. Well, when the last one kicked the bucket, the house was left to Malone's grandfather, the town mortician. It's been in Malone's family ever since. At the top of the stairs, Alex peered over the wood rail at the sitting room with fancy burgundy velvet chairs, floral couches, ferns and large flower pots, and crystal vases filled with the stalks of fresh white lilies. Devin opened the first door to his left. We have three viewing rooms. This is one of them. His friend's voice echoed in the empty chamber. On the ceiling was a painted mural with three cherubs playing golden harps. You'll see angel murals throughout the building. Devin gently closed the door and kept moving along the hall. Our main job is to prepare each room for the relatives, who come by to visit their loved one. Devon swung the middle door open, and Alex poked his head inside. A great coffin stood in front of rows of empty chairs. Alex recognized Mr. Andrews in the open casket. He lay dressed in a blue business suit, hands folded peacefully. Mr. Lone did a good job covering up the Frankenstein gash. At the end of the hall, Alex followed his friend into the third chamber, was cold, hollow, and empty. Devon crossed to the floor-length drapes. When you close up the place at night, make sure the doors behind the curtains in all three rooms are locked. He pulled back one of the off-white drapes, revealing a set of double doors. If you don't, 
Malone will fire your butt and you'll be flipping burgers again. What's behind them? Devin pushed the doors open. This is our private parking lot. It's where the company hearse, the Deathmobile, picks up our clients and takes them for their last ride to the cemetery. It's also easier to load the hearse from here than to risk dropping a casket down the stairs. Not good for business, you know. Yeah, that makes sense. Also, Devin shut the doors. Lately, we've had a problem with the bereft family members hiding out in the building so they can sit with their loved one overnight. Make sure you lock the doors. Got it? Alex nodded. Yeah, yeah I got it. A skidwing spider feeling ran up his spine. Alex shook it off as he followed Devin back to the main floor. Did Malone explain the graveyard shift? Well, not in detail. Simple. Devin let him down another flight of stairs. One of us stays every other Friday through Sunday night. It's not too bad. Just bring plenty of homework so you don't get bored stiff and some clean underwear. Alex chuckled. Devin paused at the bottom step and faced Alex. You can sneak in a couple of friends to keep you company, too. Just make sure Malone doesn't catch you. Alex followed him into a large room with a couch, TV, and a table for four chairs. So I've got to stay overnight. Alone? You're not getting cold feet, are you? No, I'm cool. Alex shrugged his shoulder. Dead people don't scare me. Good. Devin plopped on the brown leather couch and propped his feet on the coffee table. This is the employee lounge, also known as the basement, he said. Hey, don't look so worried. The bodies buried beneath the floorboards have already been dug up. You're joking, right? Lighten up, will you? If you're going to work here, you've got to have a warped sense of humor. Alex looked at the far corner. What's that? Devin crossed the room and pulled the handle. Malone has this fridge custom-built to look like Dracula's coffin. Pretty cool, isn't it? He reached inside. Want a cold one? Devin tossed him a frosty can of soda. Thanks. Alex dropped onto a stool in the shape of a headstone. He popped open the can. Are you sure you're all right? You're not going to flake like mad, are you? Devin put his mouth to the lip of his cold drink and took a sip. Because if you are, you can quit just right now and not waste my time. This job's not for chickens. Told you I'm not scared. I just, I just want this job. Over the following weeks, Alex took pride in making sure the viewing room shined to Malone's strict specifications. Just because people have expired doesn't mean they don't deserve excellent customer service. Mr. Malone had stated in an employee meeting, every work shift, Alex dragged the vacuum around the entire upstairs. He dusted the furniture, polished the stair railing, wiped the mirrors, and made sure all incoming floral arrangements were personally delivered to the proper viewing rooms. He got so used to working with the dead that he even started talking to them, unloading his personal problems. Unlike the living, the dearly departed were good at keeping his secrets. Alex liked his job. The stiffs never complained like the picky customers at the Purple Onion, and those extra zeros on his paychecks were nice too. It was rolling in the green, but now that he had a hefty bank account, his girlfriend had dumped him. 
She had said she refused to date a guy who worked around dead people. It was Alex's turn to work the weekend shift again. On Friday night, after closing up shop, he chilled in the employee's lounge. It had been raining heavily all day. Lightning crackled and the power flicked off and back on again. Thunder rumbled and rattled the building. Hope this storm doesn't keep the guys from stopping by tonight. Alex was alone in the mortuary. The only other person at the funeral parlor was a girl around his age. But she didn't have a heartbeat, so technically she didn't count. Her name was Brittany. Devin informed him that she'd gone to their school's rival, Lincoln High. Brittany's memorial service was scheduled for Saturday. Earlier, Alex arranged the dozens of bouquets and floral sprays that had arrived at the parlor for the girl. Throughout the day, in one-sided conversations with Brittany, he told her about the breakup with his girlfriend. I really miss her. He confided how none of the other girls at school wanted to go out with him either. She sighed as they straightened the rows of chairs for the service. After tomorrow, I won't even have you to talk with anymore. Alex set out boxes of tissues. Before leaving the room, he looked back at the pretty girl. Thanks for listening. See you around, Brett. After the parlor closed for the day, he dropped by Brittany's room again. She looked so peaceful, with a hint of a smile, and her long blonde hair tucked behind her shoulders. Alex leaned in. Where do you have to die? He said. We could have been friends, hung out together. Then Alex started to laugh. What am I saying? A chick like you with me? Never. A hard knock came from behind the curtain, making Alex jump. The guys, her hair. He reached behind the drapes and opened the door. Drenched from the rain, his friends, Eddie and Mike, stepped inside. We're here to liven up the party, Mike said, carrying a couple of soggy pizza boxes. Eddie held up two liters of soda. Did you invite some girls? Mike wandered over to Brittany's coffin. Hey, drop dead gorgeous. I knew you were dying to meet me, but I didn't expect you to fall for me so hard. Leave her alone. Alex rushed over and lowered the lid. Come on, let's go play some cards. He ushered his friends downstairs and toward the employee lounge. For hours, they played poker and stuffed their faces with pizza. Alex glanced at the clock. Almost midnight, guys. He rubber-banded the deck of spades, hearts, diamonds, and clubs. You've got to go. Can't risk Malone finding you here. All right, we can take a hint. Eddie folded and stuffed a cold slice of pizza in his mouth, then grabbed his jacket from the back of the chair. Alex guided the guys to the main door and through the dimly lit sitting area. Flashes of lightning lit up the large room. Rain battered the tall and narrow windows. Man, you could never pay me enough to work here. Mike said, Have you seen any, you know, ghosts? Eddie tapped Alex's shoulder from behind and made him jump. You think I'd work here if I had? Alex escorted his pals up the sweeping steps and toward the room at the far end of the hall. Thunder growled. Mike and Eddie stuck close to Alex as they walked past the girl's closed coffin. Mike pulled back the drapes and pushed open one of the doors. A strong, bone-chilling wind blew through the room, knocking over floral arrangements. 
Great, Alex said. Hurry up, you guys. I gotta clean up this mess. He pushed his friends into the storm. See you at school, okay? He turned the lock and stood at the viewing room door. The car started and his pals were gone. Alex ran upstairs and grabbed the mop, then picked up the scattered flowers and wiped up the puddles in the room. That's better. He headed back to the lounge and tossed out the empty pizza boxes. I better make my last rounds. In the sitting area, Alex scanned the dark and quiet building, filled with jagged shadows. In the daytime, he hardly noticed the creaky floor, but the unrelenting thunderstorm tonight made him feel a little jumpy. Using his mental checklist for his rounds, he stuck his head into Malone's office first. Clear. Next, he leaned into the embalming room. It was a slow night. Empty. Chapel. Not a soul. Bathrooms. Alex grabbed the can of air freshener and sprayed the men's restroom. Yeah, better. He patrolled the upstairs hall, lit by amber lights hanging along the length of the ceiling. He checked the three viewing rooms, including the one at the far end of the hall. One cute dead girl. Alex let out a heavy sigh. The three sets of double doors leading to the back parking lot were secured. The place was wrapped up tighter than a pharaoh's tomb. Alex dimmed the lights in the sitting room and headed back downstairs to the lounge. He flipped the TV remote to Comedy Sketch Live and stretched out his long legs on the couch. A few times he caught himself dozing off. He grabbed a cola, hoping the caffeine would help keep him awake. Then Alex dropped back onto the sofa cushions. He pulled out his cell phone and played a few games. It wasn't long before the caffeine wore off and his mind drifted. Big Brittany had a lot of boyfriends. Thunder exploded. Alex jumped. The basement lamp flickered. Pop! The bulb, hanging above the large table, blinked out. The room fell dark. Great. Using the light from his cell phone, he found the big utility flashlight under the sink and clicked it on. The bright beam shot across the room. Hope there's extra bulbs around here. Alex rummaged through the cupboards and came up empty-handed. At least he still had the glow of the television screen, he thought. He'd just gotten comfortable on the couch again when the TV crackled and the screen zapped out. Alex quickly located the fuse box and flipped each switch. Nothing. He hated thunderstorms for this exact reason. Power outages. The temperature in the room dropped. Alex sipped a sweatshirt to his chin, then made his way back to the sofa where he lay in the dark, listening to the rain beat against the building. The steady drum made him drowsy, fought to stay awake, but he felt himself slipping into sleep. Suddenly, he was jerked awake by a noise. Ooh! Alex sat up and listened. His shoulders relaxed when he realized it was the wind. Sure his howling tonight. Chilled, he curled up and shut his eyes again. Ooh! Why'd I have to die? A voice sobbed. That's not the wind. Alex rolled off the cushions and thudded to the hardwood floor. Someone's in the building, but that's impossible. I checked every inch of this place. 
Grabbing the flashlight, he stumbled up the basement steps. In the foyer, he flipped the light switch on. On. Off. On. Off. Power's still out. Alex crept across the darkened sitting room. He shined the beam up the staircase. Why'd I have to die? The cry sounded like it was coming from the room at the end of the hall. It's probably one of Brittany's grieving relatives or friends. Alex dreaded having to ask them to leave. He especially felt bad about tossing them out into the storm. But what other choice did he have? If he didn't, his butt would be toast. He took the steps two at a time and froze when the cries grew more intense. Why? Oh, why did I have to die? Alex gripped the flashlight tighter. Who's there? A whistle escaped from his lips as he called out. No answer. At the top of the stairs, he pointed the light down the shadowy corridor. What was that? He thought he caught a glimpse of a ghostly figure. No way. He rubbed his eyes as the wispy white fog floated across the hall and through the wall. I didn't see anything. My eyes are playing tricks. Thunder crashed. A blinding light slashed across the wallpaper. Alex edged along the hallway. He muttered under his breath. Keep it real, Alex. Keep it real. At the end of the corridor, he wiped his sweaty palm on his jeans and inched open the door. He stuck the flashlight into the room and swept it from one side to the other. Anyone in here? The stream of light landed on the open casket in front of the window. Wait a second. I closed Ritten's coffin, didn't I? Frump! Frump! The windblown drapes in front of the double doors heaved in and out. Alex was certain he locked the doors, too. Someone broke in. I need to call the cops. Then his friends crept into his mind. Mike? Alex edged closer to the billowing curtains. Eddie, is that you? It'd be just like them to pull a stupid prank like this. As Alex pulled back the drapes, he became tangled in the folds of the fabric blown by the gusts of wind. He broke free and poked his head out into the open door and into the slanting rain. This isn't funny, you guys. He darted out to the middle of the empty parking lot, his sweatshirt soaked and sticking to his skin. Joke's over. No response. Mike? Eddie? He waited a minute for his friends to leap out of the shadows. All right, you're really spooking me. Bam! Alex spun around the viewing room door had blown shut. He sprinted toward the building and yanked the handle. He pulled harder. The doors didn't budge. Alex ran back to the middle of the parking lot. That's it, he yelled. I'm fed up with you clowns. The window. Maybe it's unlocked. He pushed against the waist-high shrubs. Through white sheer curtains, he could see Brittany lying in her coffin. I have to get back inside, now. He'd deal with the guys later. Alex jiggled the old window casing. It rattled, but didn't move. He thought of breaking the glass, but if it broke, Malone would deduct a new window from his paycheck. He stood in the pouring rain. Think, Alex, think. With the heel of his palm, he thumped along the edge of the window until it loosened and scraped upward. All right, 
He then pulled himself up and dangled his legs over the ledge inside. Careful not to bump Brittany's coffin. Lightning lit up the room. He looked down into the casket. Empty. The coffin's empty. Where'd she go? Thunder exploded. Bone-chilling wind and rain whipped at his back. Icy cold fingers rested on the top of his hand. Ooh, why did I have to die? In short, jerking motions, Alex turned his head to his right. Another streak of lightning flickered. There, standing beside him, stood the pale girl. Please tell me, why did I have to die? She leaned forward, cocked her head, and stared at him with vacant eyes. <laughs> Alex slipped and tumbled headfirst into the empty coffin. The coffin crashed to the floor, flowers toppled on top of them. Alex rolled out and scuttled backward toward the darkened room. Brittany glided after him, her arms stretching, reaching out to him. Tell me, why did I have to die? Alex jumped to his feet. In the dark, he scrambled through the hall and pounded down the steps, sliding across the rug to the foyer. He lunged for the door, his trembling fingers fumbling with the deadbolt. Come on! glanced over his shoulder and gasped. Brittany was gone. Where'd she go? The deadbolt clicked, and Alex ripped open the door. Rain lashed at him as he flew straight into the battering storm and into Brittany's ghostly arms. Ah! Ooh, why did I have to die? Alex broke free from her stiff and awkward grasp. That's just it. You didn't have to die, Alex screamed. You took your own life. Pills. Mr. Malone said doctors pumped your stomach, but it was too late. Brittany wailed as she floated back into the funeral parlor. Too late, she moaned. Feeling sorry for her, Alex stood in the doorway, watching the sad girl float through the foyer, up the sweeping staircase, along the hallway toward the viewing room. Each light flickered as she floated past a row of amber globes. Then the downstairs lit up. Ooh. A sorrowful moan escaped from the room at the end of the hall upstairs. Too late for me, Alex, but not too late for you. Alex trembled, not knowing if he should go back inside or not. He sat in his car the rest of the night thinking about his girlfriend and how much he missed her company and the late-night talks they used to have. And he missed having her sitting next to him in his car on Saturday night dates. He also missed his old job. The pay may not be good, but at least the place is full of life. As soon as Malone arrived at the parlor, Alex quit. He then drove over to the Purple Onion to ask for his job back. His old boss rehired him and offered him a raise. Maybe flipping burgers isn't such a dead-end job after all. At least until I graduate from high school. You can live out your MasterChef dreams. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. 
connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. I hope you enjoyed Dead End Job by author Maria Cisneros Toth, as performed by yours truly. If you enjoyed the tales you've heard tonight, I'd like to remind you one last time that tonight's featured author has a book for sale featuring not just tonight's stories, but many more where those came from. Maria Cisneros Tote's collection, Strange, Weird, and Creepy Tales, is available now on Amazon.com in both ebook and paperback editions. And again, you can pick up a copy today at simplyscarypodcast.com slash toth, spelled T-O-T-H, and you'll be redirected to Amazon, where you can get your own copy today. With her 2014 collection, Maria invites you to dim the lights and cozy up with a collection of 13 strange, weird, and creepy tales that she promises will make you flinch at your own shadow. Along with witnessing a murder at a historic hotel and riding along in a classic Mustang as the driver encounters a dead drag racer who won't rest until he settles an old score, you'll also have a chance to meet a not-so-friendly neighborhood serial dog killer and a lonely dead girl upstairs. So what are you waiting for? Get your copy of Strange, Weird, and Creepy Tales by Maria Cisneros Toth today at simplyscarypodcast.com slash toth. That's simplyscarypodcast.com slash toth. You won't be sorry you did. From all of us here, thanks again for your support of this show and of tonight's featured author. I'd also like to thank you personally for joining me for this episode of Scary Stories Told in the Dark, the opening to our seventh season of 24 fear-inducing episodes, perfect for leading us out of summer and into the spooky season, which is right around the corner. If you enjoyed what you've heard on today's program, please take a moment to stop by our iTunes page or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast and leave us a five-star review and a kind word. It makes a huge difference and would mean a lot to us. If you'd like to hear a premium extended edition of tonight's and all of our other episodes featuring twice the terror, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click the patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen. You'll find yourself at chillingtalesfordarknights.com where you can purchase season passes for this podcast and our other quality storytelling programs. Or become a patron for as little as $5 per month and get access to our entire audio archive dating back to 2012, all of it ad-free. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, you can follow and subscribe to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights there, where you'll get all of our latest updates and new releases and have the chance to interact with us each and every week. You can subscribe to me on YouTube as well at the Otis Jiry channel, where you'll find releases of my series, Horror Storytime, dating back to 2014, and you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram too. Just search for Otis Jiry. Until next week, stay spooky.
Get some sleep, if you can. <laughs> Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark, a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcasts Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today to learn more about our network and our other amazing storytelling programs. Tonight's program was hosted and its featured stories performed by yours truly, Otis Jiry. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors. Original music provided by Luke Hodgkinson and Jesse Cornett. Sound design and final mixing and mastering provided by executive producer and director Craig Groshek. Program's artwork and logo by David Romero. If you're looking for some fresh tales on a daily basis while waiting for the next podcast, check out my YouTube channel, The Otis Jiry Channel, and my extensive collection of narrated tales there. Simply search on YouTube by my name, and you'll find me. And don't forget to subscribe and press the bell notification icon to get my latest releases. Got a scary tale of your own that you'd like performed? I take submissions. Email it to me today at otis at simplyscarypodcast.com to have your terrifying tome considered for production in a future episode of this show. That's O-T-I-S at simplyscarypodcast.com. If you've enjoyed what you heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, subscribe to us to be sure you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review and a comment. Your feedback means a lot to me. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and yours truly on Facebook to connect anytime and get the latest updates on this and other programs and my channel. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon for CTFDN as well to get more spooky tales from me and the crew and another episode of this program each and every Wednesday. And don't forget to hit that thumbs up button to tell us how we're doing and leave a kind word or a request. And don't forget to visit us at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com and consider supporting the team by becoming a patron. In addition to helping us out, you'll get exclusive access to our audio archive and ad-free downloads of all your favorite stories, including those you've heard on this program. As for me, I'll be back next Wednesday with more terrifying tales to keep you up all night. But that's all right. Who needs sleep anyway? <laughs> the Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie. And we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.
Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.